Welcome to Remixing the Narrative. Remixing the Narrative is a podcast that discusses the issues and topics that impact children, families, and education. Through dialogue, we discuss the good, bad, great, and ugly with the hopes to promote change. Tune in to get expert advice and tools to help the whole family. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Remix the Narrative. I'm so excited for tonight's conversation. Um, As you all have seen, we've been advertising for the last week that we are really going to be diving deep into the movie American Skin. Um, It's so funny. Every week I try to figure out, like, what should be the the topic for the next week. And literally that same day, um, God gives it to me. And so I actually, as soon as I saw this movie, I'm like, we got to talk about it next week. Like, I can't go another week without talking about it. I'm so excited about the people on this panel. They're all very dear to me and very good friends. And I just know that we are just going to be very authentic in this conversation. So what I would love for you who was watching, please share this. So I see people starting to log in. Share it, share it, share it. This is a conversation amongst us, but also a conversation with you. We are going to talk about quite a few different topics that came up in this movie. I would love to hear what people who are watching live think and feel and questions you want to pose or opinions or if you agree with something that said you know i would definitely pull it up on the screen but again this is about the movie american deep i mean american skin that was written by nate parker um and so many of us on this panel definitely left away with some different feelings and i look forward to diving into that conversation we're going to join right in and jump right in into introductions so I want to have each person just kind of go around, say who you are, if you want to give a little background uh, about what you do so we can see the variety of people on the panel, and then we will go into our conversation. Um, Shaniqua, kick it out. Hey, everyone. My name is Dr. Shaniqua Jones. Um, full-time, I'm a school administrator and oversee uh, discipline processes as a restorative justice practitioner to make sure that our Black and Brown children have every equitable and alternative opportunity available opposed to suspension and expulsion. And so I'm, I'm definitely glad to have this conversation with my fellow friend and gentleman that I'm pretty sure I will get to know soon throughout this conversation. So thank you. All right, let's uh, take it to Carl. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Carl Bray. Uh, I am a uh, retired uh, military, uh, United States Air Force, uh, ex-law uh, enforcement uh, officer uh, in the military. Um, uh, did multiple tours, deployments, uh, all that good stuff. Um, father as well father of seven, and uh, I am currently a uh, truck driver, commercial truck driver, uh, and I dabble with the youth as it pertains to, um, basically, I'm a coach. I do coaching, I do training, um, things of that nature. Uh, I coach uh, 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 12U uh, football. Uh, out here in uh, my community. So um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get to know everybody, just like the uh, doctor stated, and uh, I'm ready to get this thing going. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> and let's end off with Mr. Il Gordo. Hey, everybody. Uh, Il Gordo, uh, stage name, government name, Rashad. Uh, do a lot of things. I'm an artist. I'm a coach. I'm a teacher. I've been working with the youth now for about 20 years plus. Uh, different capacities, uh, mentorship, counseling. Um, uh, let me see what else. Uh, I'm on the BCU. Uh, nope, not married yet. Um, and I've been working with Dreamer now for the past, what, eight years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been the past eight years. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I'm definitely looking forward to meeting everybody, getting, this, getting, uh, getting to know everybody's perspective. And yeah, and I'm like Carl, man. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm anxious to get into it. Uh, but thanks for having me once again. Yes, yes. So we're going to jump in. Immediate reaction. Credits come up. Movie ended. What was your immediate reaction? We really have no order. You can kind of go around. I, I cried. Um, 
I believe the spin for it at the end, you know, for those who watched it, I don't know why I just wanted to be hopeful. And I think because of everything that we've experienced, um, especially in this last year with, you know, racial and civil and social unrest and COVID and all the other things, right? So I was like, man, it would be nice that when he walk out, you know, all is forgiven. We could all walk away. And, you know, I don't know why I was being you know, hopeful like that, but it was, man, you know, and I, and, and I, I like, um, I can't remember your name up top, up above me. Carl. Carl. Okay. So, I, you know, Carl saying he's a father of seven and I'm a, a mother of five. So I watched it with my oldest girl and we were crying. I'm like, come on, G, get yourself together. But, um, yeah, I think you have to really prepare yourself for, for, um, situations like this because the several, you know, the several types of trauma, you know, from historical trauma to other impacts of trauma, I think we got to be very mindful how that may affect us and the reason why we having conversations about this subject matter now. Yeah. Um I don't know uh I kinda I kinda go doctor what's I'm sorry, what's your name again? Doctor Shaniqua, we good. Shaniqua. Shaniqua. Uh, I kind of feel where she coming from as well because I too was hopeful like when I first watched I'm like oh man like and I, I was telling Jerima, it kind of reminded me like a um, like injustice, police brutality version of John Q. Um, and so like when I saw it, I was hopeful. I was like, man, he didn't, you know what I'm saying? He didn't really do nothing. I mean, he did something, but y'all know what I'm saying, because I don't want to get too much of the movie away. Right. Uh, but it's just like, you know, I was hopeful as well. But I also, I appreciated the ending because I felt like that's the more realistic ending. You know what I mean? Like if that was, mm-hmm. if any one of us was to do that in real life, that ending right. was the, that's the, that's probably what would happen in real life. So I actually, uh, I felt the same way. I was sad because I was hopeful as well, but then it was like, well, here's reality. So, you know, there you go. So that's kind of how I felt. What you feel? Kyle? Yeah. Um, I guess I was, I guess I would say the same. I mean, I think everybody at the end was hopeful you know um but i would say overall man i was i'm gonna I'm be real man i was mad i was angry you know i was uh i was i was i was probably even you know uh, a little frustrated but like like the gentleman said you know it's it was very reality based and um I think it's just a conversation that has been going on or a topic that's been going on in our community for a long time. When I originally watched the movie, I watched it with my family, my wife and my two oldest boys, one that'll be 17 this year and the other be 14. So that was like, you know, it was right up, right up our alley. And, um, I think I noticed when my son, my youngest, well, the 14 year old, uh, 13 year old, that'll be 14. Uh, he, he even had a little tear in his eye uh, at the end. So uh, this 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 whole this whole movie, while it was it was definitely reality based, I think for me, you know, it was it was it's something that I could honestly see myself in that situation, uh, you know, with that character. You know what I mean? Like, if, if that was to happen to my kids, I think every every father, every black man, every you know, uh, uh, every parent would would. That's the way you would want to react. So, uh, yeah, I think for me, uh, I was speechless. Actually, when I watched it, Rashad was actually here with me, and I was like, what just happened? I think also the added piece of the way immediately it went to, like, the way it was broadcast, right? You know, so it was like, not only was he killed, then immediately it was like, you know, ex-Marine, you know, uh, he had relationships with the terrorists, uh, you know, just all these things, like it was every other reason from the fact that he just didn't get justice is the reason why he did what he did. You know what I mean? It was like mental health, you know, mm-hmm. it was all these different excuses. I felt like they tried to put on him beyond the fact of like, he was just 
he was just pissed. You know, I'm like, I'm a father. My kid just got killed. I, you know, and, and the crazy thing is, you can tell he was hopeful until they made the verdict, right? So, like, until they made the verdict, he was like, you know, we're just hopeful for the day. It's going to be, you know, it's like when that hit that he was like, wow, this is actually happening to me. And then that was the way his story ended. I was, I was, I was actually very speechless. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is exactly what he was trying to talk to his son about. So we can go to this next scene in which it was his son and his friend Jaden. Mm-hmm. So we kind of back it up. He walked in to his son talking to one of his good friends, Jaden, about the black community and law enforcement. So it's actually ironic that the way his son died. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, they show him, you know, learning about his rights, learning about, you know, what it meant to, you know, if you're unlawfully over what you should do and his son was very indignant about you know these are my rights you know and his him coming in and and in some ways clarifying what those rights mean for the black community um i would love to just hear what what did y'all think about that part i i I think that was the key element of the you know the entire movie mainly because the way that this young man was so adamant about going by the book that keep in mind these are things that we are learning in school that these are your rights and you know you're not three-fifths of a person you are a whole person and so we humanize you as an individual in this world we consider america and all these great things and for him to be i mean to the point where i i didn't know how far this was going to go between him and his son because you could tell that there was like one there was a level of anxiety from the dad part as as if for me it felt like he was telling his son like gee i thought Man, you what world you living in? As as much as I hear you reading about this, this is the reality because this is for them, and then we have our own set of rules. And so I think what I even appreciated more about it because he could have easily told his son to get off the Zoom and have a private conversation just between him and his son, but he also wanted this other black young man to hear what was happening so he can help him understand that what your friend is saying is exactly what's happening. And you know, oftentimes as parents. It's one thing to be a parent and guide your child in the right direction or go according to what you believe is right. And then a lot of times we have these conversations behind closed doors. So, you know, we have this thing like don't go against the grain. So even if it's his child who obviously was wrong, um, he didn't correct him you know, privately. He left him in front of his friend. Who, you know, and I think we all agree that his friend was right. Um, but I think that was a pivotal point of the entire movie to show that I don't care how much you being taught and how much you think, you know, and and it's, it hurts to say it, that how much you uh, want to be humanized and be treated and that these set of rules uh, work for you as well, but it don't. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that, that part, that, that part of the movie kind of stung me a little bit as well. Uh, so the first thing I thought about the, because I'm not a father, I thought about the conversations my father had with me when I was around that age, mm-hmm. where um, the conversations were very similar. He was like, yeah, these are your rights, X, Y, and Z, but you're black and you're a young man. Um, and it was it was confusing at the time. I'm not going to lie. It was very confusing because on one end, you're telling me as a human, I have these rights and I have the right to defend myself, et cetera, et cetera. But you're saying because I'm black, if I do anything remotely disrespectful to the police, I can lose my life. Or get arrested so it that part just kind of reminded me of the conversations i had with my dad i think the other part in that in, in that instance that kind of stuck out to me as well was more along the lines of where i looked at it from a standpoint where uh lincoln did everything to keep his son for lack of a better term to keep him out the hood to experience the normal black boy upbringing in the hood but yep. the irony was that because he got brought up in this quote unquote privileged area, a better school, better neighborhood, he was completely aloof to what really happens to black boys. So mm-hmm. that is what kind of struck me. I was like, wow, like here he is. The, the dad did everything right. Like I want to get my son out the hood. I want him to have a better future. But because you did that, he now is completely disillusioned about what really happens to young black boys and black men. So that part kind of stuck with me in that instance. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that he did say it out in the opening. You know, he told his friend to stay on there as well. Um, but it was I, I, I saw at that point where the confusion 
was just lying between him as the father as well as him as the son because he was wondering like dang did i fail my son by providing a better upbringing for him and not really uh exposing him to the ills of this world as being a, a person of color or did he just not pay attention so mm -hmm. for me that that part was really really poignant to me just going throughout the whole movie yeah yeah i, I think i would i think i would have to agree uh i think that part of the movie is really what tied everything together um um like i said previously man when i saw the the, the young man what, what was the young man kajani yeah kajani. yeah kajani um uh i saw my son i saw my son and i that scene man i thought about so many times where I might have a conversation with my boys and you know um for them being young you know it's all about right and wrong you know what i mean and and black it's kind of like black and white but but the truth is, is in this world there's a lot of different shades of it. and i <laughs> Man, I sat up there and I had the exact same type of conversations with my with my boys, and um, it's very confusing. It's very confusing because, like like he said, you know, um, these people have we we all have these rights, and we all supposed to you know, um, be able to uh, live society where we don't have to deal with. Um, uh, you know, uh, just injustice. But the reality is, is not what's going on in our neighborhoods and in the cities. You know, and um, like I said, I had a conversation with my boys, and I told them the exact same thing. And it that part of the movie, uh, it really touched me really touched me it made it made me kind of sad because I, america wants as a whole the way the young man was talking that's the way they want this country to be perceived but the reality is different it's it's just it's it's extremely different and you know what you all brought up is something that i'm sitting here wrestling with this whole idea parents and even as us as mentors we want to put our kids in best situations. You know what I mean? Like, you know, for me, Trey is my only son. And because of that, I really am invested in him. I'm invested in him in every way. And so I do pay for him. You know, he, right now I'm homeschooling him, but before for his whole schooling, he had been in private schools or he had been in these different things. And it was more so because I felt like that's what's best for him. I wanted him to have those opportunities. I want him to have those outlets. Um, he's in sports, he's, you know, he's involved. And I've always empowered him for his voice. Like, if anyone who knows my son, he's going to speak up. He's going to say his mind. And the scary part, though, is as he gets older, I it's that it's of, like, I don't think we failed as parents, but I'm like, man, how do I now tell him? He's he's about to be almost 10. That, yeah, all that stuff I've been telling you, you need to hush when you get here, though. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, you smart, and you remember all that, but I need you to be quiet you know what I mean? Or I always tell you to speak your mind, but here I just need you to, you know, even like he said, like, I just need you to make it home. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's hard when we as parents, we don't want our kids to have this like slave mentality. We don't want them to feel like the sky is the limit. You can't go for your dreams. But then I'm also fearful because I know, like Trey is one of those people that he'll check his friends. Like, that's just wrong. You're not supposed to do that, you know? And I'm like, okay, how do you explain that to a kid and and i think even people watching who are listening like what i think that's the struggle as a parent whoever works with kids you know especially in the inner city we all from chicago just understanding it's another set of rules you gotta learn um i think that's the hard part for me like man i want him to experience much but i also don't want his mouth to get him in trouble you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like i don't want is his fort right to be looked as a threat just because he knows himself you know what i'm saying yeah um that's that's one of the things i used to struggle with when i used to teach civics uh i would i would always uh 
I will make the Bill of Rights like the backbone of my course because I told the students very, very important that you guys know your rights. But one of the things I had to do, I taught them the rights as they're presented. And then I had to be very frank with them. I say, but hey, the law says this, but this part don't apply to us. Or I know it says this, this part don't apply to us. So it was kind of like I had to give them normal, regular of rights. And it's almost like I didn't have to give them the black bill of rights. Um, because the reality of it is, I say, yeah, I, I want you guys to be change agents. I want you to go out here and try to change the world. So it's very important that you know what rights you have legally. I say, but it's even more important what rights you have legally as a black person, because there's a difference. So I used to struggle with that because initially I would just teach them the Bill of Rights. These are your rights. You have the right to do this. You have the right to do that. But I then would fear if they ever got into that position, got into that situation or that position and they tried to express their rights, that it might end up worse than what it actually should be. So I understand that even though I'm not a parent, that's like the closest thing I could compare it to is when I was teaching my students, it was kind of like, I'm I have to teach all what the government says and the rights you should have, but these are your, like your reality rights. Mm -hmm. You know, I um before we go on to the next subject, I think it's very mindful too, that we just can't take a one size fit all approach, you know, cause some, we can't base it off of age because you have some children who have experienced life way differently than other children. So I think we have to provide, you know, individual lessons based on where that child may be in their level of maturity. Because even with my five running from ages to 14 to 22, my 14 year old is, uh, reminds me of how you explain your son, Jerima. And I'm having a difficult time, especially now that, you know, the social interaction has, you know, little to none, you know, because of online learning, but she's very outspoken and we're an outspoken family. Like we have, at home, we have our own roasting sessions. And I'm not saying that that's the most perfect thing to do, but that's our way of having fun. And, that, and to be honest, that's their way of trying to roast me on the low. Like if they were mad at me about something, like this is a perfect opportunity to lump in our ghetto, right? Yeah. And, so because, and one of the reasons we do that, not necessarily like to the connotation of bullying, but to help them navigate how to converse with other people especially when there's a disagreement or somebody makes you uncomfortable what's your next step because what's to follow could be be the determining factor between you living and you dying and and you know they talk you know the bible speaks about you know the power of the tongue and the and life and death so it is yeah this this movie i think this is something that as parents feel like their children are prepared to watch it even if they really aren't but mature enough in in terms of their the way they think this is something that we all need to be talking about and you know we're going to talk about all the different people i i pulled up um the mother because i think she's a very interesting character in this as well and uh even the part that they they mentioned about her just like how the media and people in these instances use the mother. And I thought that was to be interesting. I would really want to hear, like, especially what the men think, but also as I kind of sat back and I started thinking about all the different unfortunate um, killings that have happened, you know, throughout the years, um, just the way they do play the mother, you know what I mean? Like putting the mother up front and this whole idea of like, you know, which I love when he was in the court, in the in the police station, he letting her know, like, this ain't a time for peace. You know what I'm saying? Like, when everybody else kid gets shot, you know, they white, they, are, they ain't out here trying to kumbaya. You know what I mean? So why? Because people are frustrated. Now we got to be silent. Now we got to turn the other sheep. Why? You know what I mean? And so the way they played the mother and like, hey, I know they out here mad, but go up there and tell them, you know, we want peace, we want things to be right. And then you could just see at the end her frustration, wanting him to come home because she understood the frustration. I think her just kind of being pulled all these different ways. Mm -hmm. What was our reaction to even what Omari said, his his friend? Like, of course they're gonna put the mom on the screen. You know what I mean? Like he already knew the playbook. Um, what what do y'all what do y'all think about the way they played the mother in this movie? Look, I'm waiting on one of y'all because if you don't say something, yeah, I was, I was gonna let, it's, it's Carl, right? Yeah, Carl. Yeah, it's Carl I spoke last time, so I'm like, I'm gonna let him, you know. Uh, I don't. I mean, 
I had I had mixed feelings about the mother. Um, uh, the scene, the part where um, I think they were outside of the courthouse and um, she was trying to speak to the officer and she was kind of turning up on him, you know, because she was frustrated and everything. I just, man, honestly, and this is just my opinion, uh, I think that the way she wanted to respond or the way she was responding in that moment for me personally is that's how, that's what I wanted to see. That's what I'm used to in my family. I know, Jeremy, you spoke about, you know, this has happened time and time again. Every year, it's pretty much the same story that's similar to this movie, American Skin. And you see these families and you see these mothers and they get in front of the cameraman and they have so much, so much pain, so much anguish, um, frustration. And every time they find a way to take the, the right route or do the right thing. And personally, so pissed off from the man, I was like, hey, man, forget that peace stuff, man. Turn it up. Let's go. Yeah. For real. I'm supposed to be in real. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, that's, that's me personally. And she was turning up, like you said, Carl, in the house. Like, when he was talking to her, you know, even though her nephew, we could talk about him. Yeah. He was like, get up out of here talking to my aunt. You know what I mean? But she, yeah. she, she came back with him like, where, do you have kids? You know what I mean? Like she had that, but like you said, in front of the camera, she had to like compose it and kind of bring it in. Um, I wish she would have showed that as well. Yep. Um, I was I was disappointed. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like I was disappointed. Uh, that's definitely the play that they always use. And a small part of me was hoping that she was using that like a ploy. And like when she got in front of the camera, she really turned up and was like, "Let's go, y'all, send it up." Uh, I would have really appreciated that because it just it to me it just made it seem like that and it kind of it, it kind of echoes what the nephew was saying where was the peace when it was actually necessary you see what i'm saying it's like now y'all want the woman to come out here and try to smooth things over and, they, and i think some one of the officers somebody said it in the movie it was like you know uh omar he was like you know that's the play if the mom ain't got no problem with it nobody else should um and i thought about too that made me think about why don't they ever ask the father? And it made me think like, well, maybe because a black man is always looked at as a threat or maybe because if a black man was to go up there, he would say, oh no, I'm gonna be cool, it's gonna be peaceful. And then get up there like, hey y'all, turn up. You see what I'm saying? So um, I think it was a lack of trust, you know, with a black man and they probably, they probably feel like what a woman might be more understanding. But I was mad because I legitimately wanted her to be like, no, keep tearing stuff up until we get some justice. You know what I'm saying? So that was kind of my perspective on it. But that's what I expected because, like you say, every time this happens, it's, it's, it's very few occasions where they show the dad with the mom. Um, but most cases that they have the mom speak to try to smooth things over. Yeah. Look, I got my Kojic finger up, y'all. <laughs> this is me coming as a mom. And for people who know me, I am very peaceful. But there's also this other side. So you got Dr. Jones, then you got Kwakwa. Now Kwakwa, that's a whole other character, right? But I, I think this goes back to, you know, speaking about stru structural and systemic racism, even in the midst of uh, police brutality, right? Because think about when we're, we're talking about, you know, food stamps and putting the man out of the house. This is the same idea that they want you to have. So we put the mother in front of the camera and make it as if this, this father who has basically like shared custody of this young man who's now dead. Um, if we make it seem as if she's in this process by herself, as if the man is not even existence in this picture, mm. then we have this, we have this cookie cutter approach to what we see a black family should be, which is a single mom with a child. 
So if you notice that when she went in front of the camera, they didn't even make mention of the dad until after the fact, after they killed him, then they played on mental illness and they played on like, he came home. They didn't, you know, they didn't talk about how he took a janitorial position so that his son could have ample opportunity to thrive in a way that he may not have had, right? So I think even when it comes to the mom, yeah, I was, I was very disappointed because as I said, by this being a movie, you feel like, with a movie with you know even if it has realistic connotations to it that you have the opportunity to have that hope like hey change the narrative right or remix the narrative to say like okay we're gonna have a better ending he's not gonna die he's not gonna do jail time they finna tear the city up you know white america will be like oh my god <laughs> what what have we done you know we have sinned but we all know that's not the case so yeah and i i even told I told my kids, like, I'm letting you know, and that's unfortunate because I don't want to ever lose any of my children, whether they're my birth children or children I, I work with. I don't want to lose any of them. And I have uh, that's happened to me. But I, I'm, I'm I'm with that turn up. Like, even I even went and like, where's my concealed carry shotgun here? Because I honestly I took the class and everything was like, but I've been putting it off because the way the there's a heightened level of sensitivity right now i i it's like i'm damned if i do damned if i don't but i did pull it out I was like i need to go on and get correct hey, you better go and get correct i just came from the gun shop today i ain't gonna eat a lot to you and my husband he's walking in and out because he's we total opposites why well, i'm like hey guys you know like i'm trying to bring everybody to be peaceful he like Another thing I thought about too, real quick, Jerima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about how they had her try to bring peace, and he got killed anyway. She ended up losing her son and essentially her husband, ex-husband, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it's like y'all use mom to create peace, and y'all still kill him. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. more. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Before you move on, that's another point I wanted to make that. You know, and I've seen this happen where there has been some discrepancies in a marriage and that, you know, they probably got married too young and realized like we may not be made for each other, but we got this child and we're going to love them. And but they they're separated. But then what brings them back together is the death of that child, because if, if, if you see the emotions that she had in that last scene when he was at the um, police station, it was like, I want you to come home to me. She didn't say I want you to you know go to your home. She's like, I want you to come home to me. And I think that that was just another layer of like, damn. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So Ooh. this next part, I thought, so I want to be totally transparent. I thought of Carl. And the reason I thought of Carl, um, because I've known Carl quite a long time, and like he already shared in the beginning, he has a background of the military, right? And um, when I thought of the, the character Lincoln, and even when they, I didn't put his mom on here, but she was the one that made known in the documentary, like he served, you know what I mean? He's done this, and this is what his country is doing to him. You know what I mean? Like, and he was even trying to, you know, with his mom, like, mom is cool. She's like, no, like that needs to be said in this documentary. Like, you lost your son, the police did this, and you you literally went overseas for their lives, and they took your son's life. You know what I mean? And it made me think about that pool that Lincoln probably was having. Like, we definitely talk a lot about him in the police station, but I think just his pool of like, man, I've served this country that I know doesn't serve me. You know what I mean? Like I've done all this for this country. And I think all of that was bent up. Like even when he was talking to the officers, I think it was just like this, how dare you try to make me look and feel stupid? You know what I mean? Like, like I know what you're thinking. I, you know, even his, you know, they already knew how to go in there and take over. Like, this is what we do. This is what we were trying to do. You know what I mean? Like as the officer talked about what he was trying to do, this is what they were trying to do. That's why they were able to come in there legit. It wasn't like no baby. They had their equipment. They was ready. You know what I mean? So he's like, look, the American, the, American, the American trained me how to take over this police station. Like, I know what to do. Like, I already know who's trying to move. But even the frustration in that of like, man, you know, I don't think he were, you know, it didn't, it didn't seem like a, a, a part of regret. This like, man, y'all just spit in my face. You know what I'm saying? Even the fact that he came back and he working as a janitor. You know what I mean? Just so we can get his son in school. Like, you know, I would just love to kick it off with Carl, but anyone else to, to kick in. Like, what do you think that pool was between him being of the military and understanding that that is who, you know, killed your son? Well, um, it's funny you say that, Rima, because um, 
basically throughout the whole movie, I did see myself, uh, a lot of myself in Lincoln. Uh, like you said, uh, veteran, ex-military, um, um, was also a cop uh, for a lot of that time while I served in the military. So um, I have a, a, a unique perspective where I can, I understand both sides. And um, I was just real frustrated and angry. And I'm looking at um, the law enforcement for myself. Um, that's part of the reason why I got out. Um, because when I was in, you know, uh, I, I saw um, so many things that I just didn't feel was right or, or justified. Um, and you, you're 100% right. You know, a lot, there's a lot of veterans out here, a lot of ex-military, you know, you come back to this country and you got to struggle and fight just to get, um, seen at the VA to get, uh, quit, you know, uh, healthcare myself personally, uh, I've been diagnosed. I have PTSD. Um, um. And it takes a lot just for them to, you know, uh, uh, people like myself, you know, to get their, you know, disability ratings and and things like that. Um, but I do, it's something I want to say as well about um, the law enforcement side uh, of the house. Man, the type of person, me personally, I don't, I'm just like Lincoln, man. I don't, I don't, I don't actually, I don't like law enforcement. I don't agree with law enforcement. And I have a lot of friends who are actually cops, either still in the military or civilian. And um, it's just the things that are done, you know, uh, a lot, for example, a lot of times in my training, uh, we were we were taught basically, you know, what you write on your report is what happened. That's just the way it's straight up. You got to make sure that your paperwork matches policy and procedure. But that may not necessarily be what happened when you were out mm. on whatever, whether you responded to a domestic altercation or you on a traffic stop uh, or, or, or whatever, you know. Um, so it's just, it's just so unfortunate, very unfortunate what happened, but, uh, I can relate to Lincoln and everything that they, uh, it's like you said, the mother stated that he was dealing with and going through because I went through the exact same thing and I'm dealing with the exact same things right now to this day. Um, I even shared that this basically brings up a great point. I think uh, Gordo, Gordo, how tell I'm good. Okay, so <laughs> like this ethical dilemma of doing what is right versus what is best. And so here he is. He come home and he's very humble about the process. While mom is like, uh, -uh tell him what's going. <laughs> tell him the truth. Tell him all right. Mm -hmm. And him being humble about the process. I don't believe it was. You know, just because my brother was in the military, I don't believe it was a matter of him being humble because he doesn't care or he's just trying to move forward. I think it was more of a matter of the hurt and the trauma that's associated to it. And a lot of times, especially in the black community, that goes back to the conversation we had uh, a week or two ago, Jarema, that, you know, if you keep yourself busy and focus on what's ahead and not really focus on what puts you in the in this place in the first place, um, we think that we can move beyond that and just continue to do and, you know, be productive. But what happens is you end up exploding. And in this particular situation, his explosion came from the loss of his son. And, and if we think about it, oftentimes we see how people get the phone call like your child has has died. You may not have the details in terms of how your child either died or killed, but you weren't there. And I think for him, that's just another level of tra trauma because he went and served the country and saw the, these type of, you know, he saw death firsthand. So to see his son go through the same process in what you consider your own home and your own community, um, I think that probably just 
you know, made it even worse. I mean, losing someone period is, is not good at all, but the matter in which he lost him, you know, that fight, like put your cell phone away, you know, I, and to keep replaying it. Cause I kept replaying that in my mind, even when the movie was over, you know, and how all of us, we, this can be life and death sometimes, you know, and, and not trying to justify, but if you already know the type of world we live in, you know, and just watching how he like, hey, I'm reaching. Is it OK? I'm reaching for my insurance card. Hey, hi. Yes, sir. No, sir. And, you know, all the mannerisms. It's like no matter what you do. And, and you know, we've seen it all because I used to be the one like, what you pulling me over for? You know, like I go from zero to 10 real quick. And now here I am in lockup talking about mama. Can you come get the kids? <laughs> um, I say all that to say that, you know, for him to serve the country. It was a slap to the face. And I know we're going to talk about, I want to call him ghost because that's all I know him as at this point. <laughs> but the fact that he like just had his last, what was last, his last treatment, he mm. coughed up blood, but he's like, B, I ride, die, cry for you. Yes. Yes. That's the volumes. I don't know how many people it sound good. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 10 toes down till. It's time to be 10 toes down. You're like, man, I, was, I didn't think it was really going to happen. You know, like, wow. <laughs> We like, really doing this? <laughs> I was, man, I didn't think it was for real. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think mm, yeah, so yeah. I think the part that I uh that, that that stuck with me the most was that just throughout history, um as black men especially, we have to be presented in the most non-threatening manner. We have to we are presented in this most, you know, like a genial way, you know what I mean? Um, and I think about like what you were just saying, uh, Shaniqua, that even when they pulled him over, yes, sir, I'm speaking with a soft tone. My hands are up. I'm not I'm not yelling. I'm I'm being as calm and cool as possible to show you that I'm not a threat. Mm -hmm. but still, the part that bothered me the most. And granted, I'm not a police officer. I've never been a police officer. I cannot speak on their training. But I think the part that bothered me was that. It's hard, for, it's hard for me to understand how can you protect someone that you are afraid of? Mm. And even when we present ourselves in the most non-threatening way, because the yeah. officer said himself, I was afraid. Afraid of what? Yeah. So that's the part that kind of stung to me. The, the, the father telling him, hey, he just has a phone. He's a 14-year-old boy. He's telling them everything that's not threatening. But the officer's response was, well, I was afraid. So I think that for me, that's what kind of stung the most. Because it's like, if you are afraid to interact with the people, why are you an officer? You see what I'm saying? Like I said, I don't, I got friends that's police officers as well and all of that. So it's like, I I, 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 I tread lightly with that because I have friends, family members that also are, you know, officers. But I, I think about that though, because my, my people that I know, they I've never seen that from them. Granted, I've never been out doing the work with them. But just knowing them, they don't show that element. But it made me think about that. It's like it doesn't matter how nice we present ourselves, how how safe that we're trying to show that we really are, that if we make one slight move or if we try to do something that they don't think is cool, we instantly become a threat. Um, so I think in that instant, in that moment when they got pulled over, that's what really kind of uh, it touched me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like ain't no right answer. Ain't no right answer, so I mean, that's what bothered me. And it's like, how do you how do you train someone to not be scared of somebody? You know what I'm saying? And I think that I don't want to gloss over that because even now we'll talk about that. Like that's the problem with policing in our neighborhood is that it isn't neighborhood policing. Like you just coming in to my neighborhood, you you don't know me, you don't know the neighbors, you don't know anything, nope. and you scared of me. Like you're coming into my neighborhood scared. And if, but if you knew me, you would know in this case, that's just a little Kajani down the block. You know what I'm saying? Like what you, you know, he, 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 that's how he is. Or you know that this person ain't a threat. All you gotta do is get so-and-so, they'll come and calm them down. You know, you don't have that, you know, community policing. And right. they talk a lot about how they're trying to, you know, in here in Chicago, how they're trying to like reform that. and. You know, but I think at the end of the day, what I've seen is not the remedy. The remedy isn't you take a field trip through Longdale 
You uh, you know, come and speak at the schools in Inglewood, or you become a, a, a buddy at Roseland. You know what I mean? Like that's not how you become a community police officer. And I think that the hard part, even the officer who was his partner, was like, see, everything I say, I'm a racist. You know, everything it's like you don't even see it. Like it took all that to happen for him and his partner to both see, like, like damn. Like, man, like, we don't, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. and then he's using all the things. We got a black captain. We, you know, right. hey, you know now that's the part. That's all the part. Oh, man. And that's why I love, I love the jury, okay? Because they got him so yeah, correct. Oh, what the that inmates. But, <laughs> Real quick, the one with the black eye—I knew from the time he came out. Said, "Fam, finna get with the he finna get cracked. He ain't going. This he is gonna say be nothing. He ain't say less. <laughs> Look, he really didn't say one thing until he stole on dude. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. But I, I it, when he, um, my guy right here, he was talking about being pulled over. Like um, there was one time when I was stationed in uh in California, um, I actually got pulled over on a high risk traffic stop. Um, was coming from the club. It was a shooting. Everybody scattered. Everybody jumped in their car, and you know they taken off. And uh, I jumped in mine, and you know I took off too. And I mean I was I was driving. I was speed pretty much. And I got pulled over. Um, about three cop cars. About four police officers with their guns drawn down on me, you know, and they uh he taps on the window. Obviously, I got my hands on the steering wheel. I'm not moving my hands. My hands going nowhere. So he taps on the steering wheel. I mean, I'm sorry on the on the windshield windshield the uh the window, and uh tells me to run the window. So you got to go through that process, like he said. You got to reiterate everything that they're saying. Okay, you want me to roll this window down? You got to play. It's like you got to dumb yourself down. Yeah. So they're getting frustrated with me because I'm reiterating what they're saying, but I'm reiterating it because I want you to know that I heard you. I understand. And now this is what I'm going to do. So I rolled the window down and uh, officer, officer to my right on the passenger side, two officers, their guns on me and another on my left on the driver's side and he goes uh hey man uh why are you why are you speeding why are you what are you what, what's going on i said uh officer they shooting <laughs> uh i don't know you if you heard <laughs> you ain't get the I don't call. Know you got the call sir <laughs> i said but they shooting that's why i'm speeding <laughs> and uh the officer that was talking to me he didn't get it he was ready to keep going, but his partner on the other side, I heard him go, not, it's not him. And that officer was black. The officer that was talking to me, and I'm not saying it was a racial thing, but the officer that was talking to me was white. So obviously the black cop understood, you know what I mean? My demeanor, where I was coming from, my frustration, I was nervous, scared. You know, I got three guns drawn on me, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, so it it just goes to show, like, like you said, Jerima, um, I don't have all the solutions for what's going on in our community as it pertains to law enforcement. enforcement. I know that there's a huge issue, but one of the, one of the things that would definitely help is if you got cops that live in those communities that's working in those communities like there's already preconceived notions from a white officer that's coming in the inner city neighborhood because all their life they've been watching tv they've been seeing things seeing people look like you and i portrayed a certain way so whether they realize it or not you're going to think a certain way when you have to encounter a person that looks like myself, with you know, this brother right here. So that scene where the, 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 the inmates and the, 
Uh, man, I forget the name. I don't know if they ever said the name, but that one inmate I really liked was the Muslim guy. Yeah. yeah. Man, he broke that down in that thing and explained that. I think he said something. I, I could be wrong, but I think he said something to the effect of um, his response to the to the to the officer was he said so he said something like that's he said what you're saying and what you're comparing is is like uh uh oh I have a wife so I'm not uh what did he say uh I'm not, uh, I'm not a, I think I'm not sexist just yeah I'm not a sexist because we have a black you know captain so I mean there you have it. Yeah, um, I like I like the other homie. I don't know his name either, but y'all know what I'm talking about. The other homie uh-huh. inmate that was talking just as much as the Muslim brother. Uh-huh. Um, because he asked him, he was like, "Man, wait, you want me to be on a jury about these cops, and you expect for me to be 100?" And what I liked was that he kept it real. He said, "Man, I'll try." He's like, if you "Understand everything." He's like, "Do you know what these cops did to me? And you want me to be unbiased?" But I like the fact that I feel like that he was, despite everything that you know we said might have happened with him and what the what he's seen uh, the cops do to people. I think that even in the instance, I really think that the uh, the the convicts, the inmates that played the jury, I think they were more unbiased than the regular regular juries that we actually have. Yeah, to be honest, and I really appreciated the part when the officer was like, "Wait a minute, none of my peers are on that jury." Good. You said now you know how we feel. Exactly. I I, I think, and I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one of the reasons why I push for our right to vote. Because I even have like even my husband and some of my children that are of age to vote. Like, man, I ain't on none of that. No, I need you to be because not just because of this one piece of instant gratification to go to the poll, but when it's time for us to be uh, represented in juries. The, the we don't we're not represented because we're not registered to vote so how can we change the narrative when it's time to make decisions based on the people who look like us if you're not going to be uh take that civic duty and register to vote you know so mm-hmm. i think that's another piece that's very important as well um i know uh, i know we running close on time but even outside the jury i think the uncle's part remember he got shot I think his part was even very important because he said, because of you, I live. Yeah. And mind you, this is an older gentleman. And I think that speaks volumes because oftentimes we don't see men have those type of interactions where like, man, I'm older than you, but I look up to you when, you know, usually you should be looking up to me because that's what society says. So I was able to live. So even if I die from this gunshot wound, boo, we good. I, I lived a good life because you stood for something and I, I supported that. And I think that was that was a pivotal moment for me. Yeah. Before we, like you said, we're coming close towards the end, but I wanted to bring this character up. This guy. I, like, we talked a lot about like, you know, black and white. Um, we talked about the officers, but he had him here as a very <laughs> like all he was <laughs> like this dude. I think yeah. he brought him up as an important part because I believe him and his interaction with the uh, juror show like classes, right? So he was, you know, he was looking at him like, you know, he was what he was trying to leave. You know what I mean? Like when he was, that's what I took from it because when he was, you know, being all high and mighty. We didn't know what he was saying. I don't know Spanish like that. I wish they would have translated it. Oh. If I could translate, I think he was saying, dude, you are not all that. You are just like us. You just got that badge. Act like you understand where we coming from. Because he was just all right. like, doing his job. He's like, dude, you a, you a minority too. You a minority too. You know, in his mind, he was like, you represent what I don't want them to look at me as. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he kept trying to tell him. I think he was telling him like, but you are me. I don't care if you got that uh, badge on. You still are us. And you can make it seem like I'm making such a shame for our culture, but you are shame. He was saying, like, I'm ashamed of you because now you got this badge and you're using it in the way that we needed you to, like we talk about be the community police. I need you to be my advocate. But you were here villainizing me and we the same. We come from the same hood. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I would love for us to talk about this officer as we get towards like uh, what we want people to walk away with. Um, I'll try to be quick. <laughs> um, 
I actually, I, I love a good antagonist. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I think that's just, he's character type as that anyway. But mm. uh, I liked I liked his character in the movie because, like I said, I'm not a police officer, but I feel like that might be the typical thoughts of some police officers. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Where mm -hmm. like, man, slavery was happening. Get, get over it. Um, it's like y'all making excuses. Like he, he remind me of the officer that legit just sees black and white. You know what I mean? Where nope, black people, y'all do these things. So this is what this is how we have to respond. These people they do these type of things. So this have to why we have to respond. And I think that uh, even though he's you know he was frustrating to listen to and even frustrating to watch, uh, but I think that was the point because. You have a lot of uh, people in uh, positions or people in power where they have that similar mentality. So uh, I actually like this character, even though he's very frustrating and annoying. I liked it because it once again it brought an element of realness to it. Because if every officer in there was like, "Oh, okay, no, we get that, we understand what you're saying," that wasn't been real to me. So the fact that he always had to push back and he was trying to go fighting, and what I really saw, I felt like he was really having a battle with what he thought he knew, what he knew. Mm. Okay, that's it. That's all I gotta say. Piggyback back off that. I just and I'm only gonna say this <laughs> that I, that really showed the internal battle that he was having with himself, no. and that's all. That's what I'm gonna say about that. Well, <laughs> I, all I'm gonna say is uh, he reminded me of when we talk about having a seat at the table. So I think what you're saying, um, Shaniqua, about us voting and getting our presence about what we should do when we're in those spaces. You know what I mean? I think in a lot of times, you know, even as we're talking about law enforcement, because that was like the, the big thing, but I think Nate Parker was really trying to show the whole spectrum of, it's not even just the police force, it's the media, it's our neighborhoods. It's like, you know, people don't know how to react. So we just gonna tear stuff up. You know, it, it was, he, he showed everything. He showed, I think we're going to get dive deeper, but this college student who was like kind of what well, we, in some ways, you know, been pulled out of this situation, but now he's seeing everything aerial view. So when it was time for him to make that verdict, he like, I'm actually just like, what is going on? You know, yeah. he probably had this vision of the world, but because of this incident, now his whole mind is blown. You know, he's like, I just don't know. Like, I thought everything I knew was now, you know, going away. So I, he, this officer re represented to me, like a seat at the table. And a lot of times we get frustrated, even in education, people making policies and decisions for our kids. And we're like, do you even know? Have you, did you even think about that when you made that decision? Like we even talk about now with CPS. We, I ain't gonna just start no riot, but that's what people feeling like. Don't you got kids? But you want me to go into this building with these kids? Like certain things are just common sense. Certain things are just like, you just have respect for people. Certain things are like, look, yeah, this might work on the north side, but what about these kids that got us also got to go to live in this area? You know, just whole picture. But like you said, if you come in there with a black and white, like, well, you know what? He should he should have had his insurance card. Should have been expired. You know, like, well, they should have got a bus card. I don't know. They should get some some better shoes. I don't know. You know, it's like this right. very matter of fact response. And I think that that's what he represented. And like you said, it was like that conflict towards the end. Yeah, yeah I, I just saw the character and the individual. Like, like you said, the dude did a good job because I was, I was thoroughly frustrated and annoyed. I, like him. I hated him. <laughs> I hated him. He definitely did his job. He did his. But I think that the brother, I think the dude, I think that was lost. You know, um, uh, I know we don't, we don't got a lot of time, but I think that you know he was at a place and a point where. He didn't necessarily realize, like, okay, yeah, you're a cop, yeah, you, you know, you have made it, uh, quote unquote, you know. Um, um, but guess what? If you're not in that uniform and you don't have that badge on, and you encounter a, another law enforcement, they're not gonna know that you're a cop. They're gonna treat you just like they would treat that brother, that 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 inmate that Hispanic inmate and that's what that's what I took because like I said I like you said I can't speak Spanish I don't know what he said but that's what yeah. I think he did you know uh uh, Le uh LeBron James just had his home uh 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 vandalized in California uh, about a year ago year two ago 
and he's worth a million dollars. So success doesn't equate to, oh, well, I don't have to do injustice anymore. You just like us. Yeah. Yeah. And just thinking, I always love to do a closing remark because there's so many things we can take away from this. But um, what do you think and what would you hope people? So if you have not watched, let me just say this. Uh, American Skin is not sponsoring this, but I, I would love to sponsor because this is an amazing movie. Uh, I'm actually kind of geek. Nate Parker liked this post on Instagram. I was like, what? Stop playing. But uh, I just want to just encourage you, if you have not seen it, you know how you have certain movies, and I had to, you know, I still have not seen the one that um, Ava made. What's the name of that movie? The one about the it, it documented with them in their time in jail, like the the boys and uh, uh, the uh, when they see us. When they see us. You ever seen that track? No, and I'm gonna tell you why. And I'm gonna tell you why. Yeah, okay? and I'm gonna tell you why. Not because I believe that it's a story that shouldn't be told, but kind of back to what Carl said. I think it's gonna trigger some some trauma for me because I, you know. I have a lot of things when it comes to like students we've lost, you know what I mean? And I have a lot of trauma just growing up in the neighborhoods, my family. And so certain things, I just know what I can handle. <laughs> a part of me is like, I don't know if I can handle it. But this movie, I believe it had parts, of course, it's kind of like, uh, but it's a necessary conversation. I think he was very, very, very wonderfully wrote and very wonderful portrayed. Like you said, he, he cast, I mean, we didn't even talk about every juror. I mean, every person had a very pivotal role. The white jurors, the girl who was like, I'm just here to buy a ticket. You know, everybody had a very- She the good girl. <laughs> they had everybody in it, you know? And, and so I would just say, if you haven't seen it, see it, um, watch it, you know? And I think it's a necessary conversation, but what would you want people to walk away with um, from seeing this and even from this conversation about ways we can move forward? Hmm. Hmm. I, I know we didn't touch on this young man, but Jordan King, that, that young man played that role. And this may not even be necessarily associated to the movie in its totality, but the power of education, because he this was a school assignment. He walked in wanting to know more and not knowing that it was going to, you know, it was going to pan out the way that it did and expose him to something that he'd never experienced before. And so to see that part at the very end when they were making their decision and the tears that he shed, I, I felt like those was real tears. Those wasn't like, hey, cut, cut the tears. You know, I think that was what he authentically felt in that moment. I could be wrong, but I definitely want us to, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a big, um, uh, big thought leader when it comes to education. And so that moment when you had this, this young man had this opportunity and for him to trust, uh, the father to say, you know what, I'm gonna come along with you, not knowing that it was going to the, the way that all of this happened, but education is a, a weapon. Mm. A, a powerful weapon and I think we need to take hold of that and it may not be for everyone and education come in many different forms but there's lessons to be learned in everything you do mm -hmm. um, I'm gonna say this first and uh, I think the first thing I thought after I finished watching the movie was you should have shot the cop <laughs> uh, that's how I felt like uh, that was like my, my biggest takeaway, but it also led me to just thinking about the movie as a whole. Um, I think my biggest thing is that I feel like, especially as you know, people of color, especially black black men, there will never be an easy solution to this problem. Mm. But I think the the thing that will cause failure if we stop trying to find a solution. Um, because it's, there's no easy answer to it. You know, this, I'm, I mean, I don't want to get on my, you know, to go too deep, but it's like, if we really want to be technical, this still is kind of stemming from slavery with overseers and everything else. So it's just kind of like, you know, uh, this is a, a deeply rooted issue where I feel like the closest thing we can get to as far as a solution is like what you guys were saying is, uh, more community and cultural understanding. Yeah. Um, I think that, that could prevent a lot of the mishaps that we do have with law enforcement if they understand the communities and the culture of those communities that they serve a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think what I would 
suggest people uh, see what I took away from it was, man, just have, man, talk to these kids, man, to your children. You know, we live in a world where, uh, like Shaniqua, is it Shaniqua? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, everybody's, everybody's always in this and it's all day. This is like your lifeline. And sometimes as a parent, you know, you can miss some things because you sort up and work and you know what you got to do and what's going on here and okay i gotta do this i gotta do that and sit down talk to your kids get get it lives get those um don't worry about if they you know if they like you or not try to be their best friend talk to your kids talk to them about what's really going on don't try to sugarcoat it don't try to hide it you know um because they need to know they need to know you know it, it just might be difference between you know like like she said life and death you know i agree i agree um you all this has been so beautiful we need a part two i'm girl, sitting like i got all kind of things we're talking about jesus christ yeah. i have a whole note section over here like dang <laughs> But you know what I can also say, which I would say, um, I think it is so important that whatever platform and whatever way we we work in this world, like whether it's education, coaching, parents, big brother, sister, like we have a responsibility. And I think that I'm grateful. Like this movie was made. I'm also grateful that you know we have each other and we can be able to support each other's efforts. But. I think for me, what it really showed me is that um, we have to be willing to really work together as a village. Like I'm always talking about that. I think that's a major thing. Um, they didn't really highlight the community so much and like that part, but I think that that matters. I think it matters uh, the relationships these kids had back to what Carl said. I think that they need to be able to have those kind of conversations. Like I love the fact that Dale was just like, look, I'm your dad. Be quiet don't talk to the police but they need to be able to have dialogue you know they need to be able to be like but so you telling me not to be a man you know like they need to be able to have a conversation and not be looked as being defiant um and know that that's you know that's what we raised our kids to be and i don't i think it's important that they still have identity of themselves but that we do have real conversations with them. so thank you all thank you all for been watching um people in the chat like this is a great movie great discussion um, I'm going to just end with this last comment someone just said. We are not even willing to die to protect our own and our communities. We are the change, but no one is willing to put it on the line. So that's a pretty mouthful comment, right? That's, that's a whole nother discussion. That's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> you see, I started doing this like, whoa. Let me <laughs> okay. Yeah, Raymond, you got to do a part two. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna do a part two. We're gonna do a yeah. part two. What y'all doing next Tuesday? Hey, count me in. I'm down. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do a part two, y'all. Thank you all for listening to part one. And uh, we will see y'all very soon. Take care. All right. Take care, everyone.